Hey, Mox! You skinny ass bitch! Let's roll! <laughs> Now, if we go out here and we half-ass it because we're scared, all we're left with is an excuse. We're always going to wonder. But if we go out here and we give it absolutely everything, that's heroic. Let's be heroes. Podcast heroes. This is the Pool Scene Podcast. I'm Kevin Bradway. I'm on defense. I'm trying to get the ball back for our quarterback, my co-host, Jim Sabella. I don't want your life. This week, we tackle 1999's Varsity Blues. Y2K, Y2K, Y2K. Jim, other than the impending Y2K, how are we living in 1999? Okay, so Varsity Blues was the number one movie in America after it debuted on January the 15th, 1999, with a budget of $16 million and a box office make of $54.3 million. Not that big of a movie make, but still, it was a box office hit. So what else happened in January of 1999? The NBA and the Players Union ended a 204-day lockout, which shortened the season 50 games, which all of us basketball fans wonder if Jordan would have came back for one more run, could the Bulls have won another title? Who would know? I think yes. The bullshit impeachment trial of Bill Clinton took place on January the 7th. Get impeached over a blowjob. <laughs> oh, over a blowjob, which is absolutely crazy. Thinking of which, we're doing a James Vanderbeek movie, and I mentioned during the Twister recap that he kind of looked like Helen Hunt. Tim Allen and Helen Hunt won for Dramatic Motion Picture for the 25th People's Choice Awards, and The Sopranos debuted. The number one song in America when this was released, Have You Ever by Brandy, such a sweet, sultry song. And like I said, the number one movie in America is the one we're covering this week, varsity blues what did tim allen and helen hunt win for i don't know let's let's take because a look that's here. pretty interesting because neither one were necessarily considered- oh helen hunt won tv oh she won for um mad about you mad about you okay mad about you great All right. great tv so show. That, that's fine neither one of them were really considered to be nah, not really fantastic actors or actresses so Right up top, uh, before we get any further, we've seen this in other movies. We've mentioned this a couple times before. On all of your social media marketing for this week's episode, you call this the ultimate time travel movie. So let's clear up what we mean. All indications are that this movie takes place in present day 1999. The cars, the clothes, the hair, the music, etc. all point to late 90s. However, This movie has one of those epilogue voiceovers, and in that voiceover, we learn that Bud Kilmer never coached again, Lance became a coach, Mox went to Brown. And he will graduate from Brown University. Yeah, so if it's present day, how could Mox tell us all of this unless he quantum leaped into the future? And for some of us, it ended without us knowing. Maybe these were the last days. I never played football again. But I will never forget that day. Billy Bob cried because he's a bit of a crier. And Tweeter drank beers because, well, Tweeter drinks beer. That's just happy. He found his calling as a football coach. Wendell got his ride to Grambling. That statue still stands, but only because it was too heavy to move. Kilmer never coached again. 
I took my scholarship, and I will graduate from Brown University. This is where we just had another debate about this movie. I've thought about this for years. So in that ending epilogue, he said he's going to be graduating from Brown University, which makes you think he said this probably somewhere around 0203. But then he says we never played football again. How do you know that unless well, you're a grown adult? So we see this in a, a few other movies. Uh, another one is Can't Hardly Wait. So in Can't Hardly Wait, you get William Lichtner is like a millionaire. Mike Dexter gets fired from his car wash job, gas yes, station job. Was, yeah, it was a car wash. In that one, I will almost give them a pass because it, it's as if it's a couple years in the future. I'll say, okay, I'll let you tell this story from a couple years in the future. But the fact that in Varsity Blues, because in, there's a couple other movies, Sandlot, Sandlot's oh, yes. one. So the Sandlot, we see present day, and then the story is told back years before. That thing you do, same thing. It's in the 60s, but the story is being told from present day. So the fact that there's an epilogue, that's fine because the movie takes place in the past. But it's time imbalanced. Yes. But in Varsity Blues, all signs point to this movie happening right now. It's just that the epilogue is taking place from the future. I would totally agree with that. I. <sighs> I'm still thinking, I'm going to stick with my guns. I'm thinking this was, the epilogue was performed and brought forth, I'm going to say around 0203. That's what I'm thinking. That's, I'm thinking Tweeter became a drunk. But that's fine. But how, how are we told with so much certainty, Bud Kilmer never coached again. Yeah. And I never played football again. I guess, you know, that could be pretty final if he didn't play at Brown that he wasn't going to play. Couldn't imagine you want to play football at a, an Ivy League university anyways. So super weird construct, the fact that he's telling us what happened in finality without like with this movie taking place present day. So super weird. Anyhow, let's let's tell you about the plot. In West Canaan, Texas, life revolves around high school football. Jonathan Mox Moxon is in line to go to Ivy League School Brown on an academic scholarship. He's the backup quarterback to starter Lance Harbor. Lance has a football scholarship to Florida State. Full ride. Full ride. They're coached by a win-at-all-cost tyrant coach, Bud Kilmer. Fucking asshole, too. And if you haven't seen this movie, you'll see where this is going. Another main character, offensive lineman Billy Bob, misses a block and Lance's knee gets destroyed. Mox gets inserted as the starter. And from there, he must learn a lot about himself, his relationships, standing up to Bud Kilmer and doing what's right for the right reasons. So our characters, uh, James Vanderbeek as Jonathan Mox Moxon. Johnny Moxon. He's academically successful, but he's a little bit rebellious. He swims upstream. He is a rambling man. He's seen through all the bullshit of high school football. He's been a backup basically his entire high school career. We see him reading on the sidelines. I don't think he ever expects to play because Lance is the star quarterback with a full ride. So Mox is totally content. He's played since he was, we see him. At they like were in 11, peewees. Yeah, peewees. But even Kilmer old. refers to him and the backups as dummios. Yeah. So Chris Klein was up for this role. <laughs> I cannot see anyone but James Vanderbeek playing this role, but especially not Chris Klein. Me and you have both said we see Chris Klein as Chris Oz Ostriker from yeah. America Pie, which we will be covering in future seasons, of course. But I just because I always thought Chris Klein was a budget Keanu Reeves. Yeah. 
Because he has that cadence and that delivery, and I can't see him being Mox. We had uh, John Voigt as Coach Bud Kilmer, the Coyotes, 30-year head coach. He's won two state titles and, what, 22? 22, well, 23 at the end, district, district state, championships. District championships. He's pretty much cast perfectly. Paul Walker is Lance Harbor prior to his love of fast cars <laughs> he's the original captain starting quarterback amy smart as jules harbor she's not a sex pot at all she's a plain jane girl next door girl next door which i find more appealing she is you don't really know i guess unless you've seen this movie as many times as we have she's lance's sister mm-hmm. it's not exactly something they beat you over the head with it's a no not at subtle. all uh ron lester is billy bob scott Kahn, who we've talked about and ready to rumble he gave that amazing performance and lance harbour's dad was in ready to rumble and the yeah. same guy who directed this did He's ready to rumble scott Kahn plays charlie tweeter he's wild cocky and hard partying Aleel swinton as wendell brown ali larder darcy sears she's lance's girlfriend we will talk about how she drops him in a heartbeat because it's not so much lance's girlfriend is it's just the starting quarterback's girlfriend she She just wants that ride out of town yeah it's a little bit if you're the starting quarterback you just inherit her richard lineback as joe harbour lance and jules father (laughs) that's your boy (laughs) my dude sam moxon which is mox's dad he's way more obsessed with football and Wes Canaan than his son. Every parent lives vicariously through their kids in this movie. We have Joe Pickler as Kyle Mox and Mox's younger brother who's into religion rather than football. Religion. He's into a cult, Islam, full Christianity. I really like this character because it's ridiculous. However, the actor who played him has been missing since 2006. That's which the is weirdest thing ever. Really uncomfortable and makes which me, makes me think maybe he ended up joining a cult. We're Who not knows? a true crime podcast, so I don't want to talk about it. Yeah, I hear you. Tony Perensky as Miss Davis, a teacher at West Canaan Woo! who moonlights as a stripper at so the hot, aptly named club, The Landing Strip. <laughs> So How perfect. Jim, which actor or actress gives a a good performance, a great performance, passable performance? Does any non-lead character steal the scene? Well, you got to lean towards, you know, James Vanderbeek as Mox. You got to love Charlie Tweeter. His character is just who he is. He's a womanizer. He pops pain pills. In this movie, there is no law and order. You see actually law and order for once, but they don't really enforce anything. He steals a car, gets naked with random girls in his car. It's as if nothing matters or nobody cares. I love, if I had to pick one person, it would probably have to be Paul Walker. He is the ace, the star quarterback for your West Canaan Coyotes. But like I told you, the Coyotes, as they say, Coyotes, Coyotes, maybe it's a Texas thing. Blows my mind. In most high schools, the star quarterback isn't the everyday guy who just hangs out with everybody. And he's the nicest guy where I went, the star quarterback. And I use that loosely because our team sucked. It sure as hell was no West Canaan. They didn't associate with people outside of their clique. Lance Harbor is that guy that seems to bring the whole school together. Like when they do the pep rally at the very beginning, he says, Uh, I was lying in bed last night. (laughs) And, uh, I drifted off to sleep and I had a dream that we were beating Bangville 14-3. But, uh, I woke up kind of sad. But then I cheered up when I realized it was only a dream because I know we'll beat Bangville by way more than that. 
the weird thing is, this is a small town. Very small town. But at the same time, the entire small town revolves around West Canaan's football team specifically. Makes you wonder, did they have any other sports? I, I don't know. Because I mean, there's a big billboard. When you leave the town, it says, last one out of town, turn out the lights. This whole town revolves around Friday Night Lights. Yeah, and most of Texas, I think, revolves oh, big time. around high school football. But like these star quarterbacks are treated literally as superstar celebrities but then the town is so small that it also would seem like i'm not going to treat this guy like celebrity he's just you know it's their nfl from down the street it's their nfl because everybody man anyways in that town played for that football team so my actor that steals the scenes is ron lester as billy bob billy bob billy bob so ron lester was cast as billy bob because of good burger and if you've seen good burger such a great movie he is he plays I, I guess I'll say cognitively disabled. He Good way to put himself it. in the head with a spatula. He eats flies. But anyhow, they cast him as Billy Bob because of that. And the funny thing is, Billy Bob gives such a tremendous performance in this movie that when they started introducing it to test markets, Paramount MTV was getting calls after test screenings because he was giving such a good performance that he was actually overshadowing James Vanderbeek, who is the lead. And they were asking them to recut the movie, essentially, because Billy Bob was doing too well. I remember getting yelled at. Too fat, Billy Bob! Too slow and dumb! We're just little kids, Mox. Just little kids. It's like nothing was never good enough. It's almost over. No. It's over, man. It's just so over. Come on. What? This is bullshit. What? Did you know that fucking football bullshit get you? Fucking Kilmer, you gonna let Kilmer win? What am I supposed to do, huh? Why don't you fucking tell me? Quit! Fuck it! Who gives a flying fuck about Bud Kilmer's 23rd District Championship? I don't! I do! I do! Man, coach loved me like a son. Treat me like one too. He told me to protect Lance and I didn't. I fucked everything up, man. Virtually dumbed down his character even more, ironically enough. Billy Bob makes up a good portion of this movie in the best scenes, so why don't we go ahead and move on to best scenes? Okay, you go ahead and start first. Okay, I got strip club scene oh it's the best so after lance uh, who wouldn't want this blows out his knee he's because of kilmer no one has visited him except for mox hey you know of all these guys you're the only one that came and visited me in the hospital you're a good friend and also and i have to say that thank you very much for dragging my ass out here i appreciate everything you've done for me you're not gonna try and hug me now are you and Which is fucked up, if you think about that. So Mox plans this surprise trip with Charlie Tweeter, Billy Bob, Wendell, Wendell Lance, and, decide, and doesn't tell them where they're going, but he takes them to the landing strip. When they get to the landing strip, it's just a typical strip club fair. They're watching girls strip, they're drinking beers, despite being 17 and 18 years old. But then one of the strippers is their teacher, Miss Their Davis. sex ed teacher, their mind you. Ed. I just want you to know that I am 18. And I have had <laughs> sex with older women before. I, it's a, it was topical. It was erotic. 
it, I gave it a 9.5. I still got wood. Still, <laughs> I gave it a, uh, a 10. A 10. A fucking 10. Gentlemen, I'd like to propose a toast to Miss Davis. Miss Davis. 10. And they hang out with her literally until the sun comes up. They alluded after Johnny's first big win as starting quarterback. She pulls up in a 1998 white Celine Mustang convertible. And Johnny even says, hey, nice game, Jonathan. Well, thank you. See you in class. All right. Yes, you will. That's a nice car and a teacher's salary. But they leave, we see them stumble out of the club, drunk, hungover, and it is daylight. Not just like sun barely coming up. This is 7 a.m., 8 a.m. How did they stay at the club all night? You have to figure, they probably were at that club, we're thinking at least 12 hours, right? Like I said, there's no law and order. When As soon as they got in there, one of the servers said everything's on the house, so they didn't have to pay for a damn shot. Billy Bob decided to get up on stage and try to strip with the stripper. Uh nicest ever bouncer because he comes up there and like gently grabs Billy Bob, gives him a beer and gets him off the stage. Like, what the hell is that? Yeah, I have several hundred stitches to show from all the times <laughs> I got up on the stage at a strip club. Plus, Miss Davis, the turkey's ready nipples. I mean, those are some those are some poppers there. Now, kids. I saw this in the theater as you did. Yep. Opening night. I was a uh, freshman in high school. I was a junior. I was and a junior in high school. Every so during this scene, I vividly remember Lots of laser pointers. This is back when the movies would be packed. You know, every seat was taken and everybody were was circling her nipples with the laser pointers <laughs> because uh, they're, they got some weight. She is super hot, though. I All mean, right. there's no doubt. Jim, what's the first scene you want to talk about? My number one scene by far would have to be Mox's halftime speech. Before this game started, Kilmer said 48 minutes for the next 48 years of our lives. I say fuck that. Right? I say, fuck that. Let's go out there and we'll play the next 24 minutes for the next 24 minutes. And we'll leave it all out on the field. We got the rest of our lives to be mediocre, but we have the opportunity to play like gods for the next half of football. But we can't be afraid to lose. There's no room for fear in this game. And we go out there and we half-ass it because we're scared. All we're left with is an excuse. We're always going to wonder. But we go out there and we give it absolutely everything. That's heroic. Let's be heroes. Wendell blows out his hamstring because they said they heard it pop. What Kilmer did to Lance Harbor's leg. There was so much scar tissue because they kept injecting it. I'm assuming with cortisone to kind of let's keep you playing. Let's inject you with cortisone. Well, somehow they wanted to inject it into Wendell's hamstring. Newsflash. That is not going to help you play football. Well, There's no way. Lance. Yeah. So we're led to believe that, that Lance got injured because Billy Bob blew a tackle and Lance. Because got, he got a concussion in that one game. And he did. I mean, I mean, that's Billy genuine. Bob did blow the block and Lance got hit. 
But we found out Lance's knee was beyond repair. So much scar tissue because the doctor even said after he went to the hospital, minimum year and a half because his dad and Kilmer were obsessed about, can he play this year? Did he lose the season? And they said he might not ever play again. But then they're about ready to inject Wendell in the leg with the cortisone. I can only assume or some sort of painkiller mix. Moxon says, if you do that, I'm out. And Kilmer basically had his scholarship dangling over him, which me and you both even said, how can you remove a scholarship from a school who already said you're in our class? So that made no sense to me. Then all of a sudden he's like, fine, I'm glad you're gone. Tweeter, you take the ball. And Tweeter's like, no, I'm out, coach. Billy Bob says he's out. And Moxon says, the only reason we're going to go out on that field as long as you're not there. So then he decides to grab Moxon by the neck. The team pulls him off. It hits Kilmer like, what the hell did I just do? Kilmer leaves, goes out in the hall, starts clapping the rallying cry. Just the way he got the crowd just pumped up there. Everybody was going. I remember sitting in the movie theater and the crowd was yelling at the screen because they were so hyped about this. And we both said the Texas accents in this movie are not the best. No, they're not. At all, they're way off. But somehow Vanderbeek pulls it off. Kilmer said the next 48 minutes for the next 48 years of our lives. I say, fuck that. And then it just goes from there. That was my number one, by far, my number one favorite scene. I have next, I have uh, Darcy Sears whipped cream bikini. (laughs) It's actually shaving cream because whipped cream would have fell right off. But essentially, as soon as Lance, like at the hospital, as soon as he has surgery. Now, Darcy Sears is Lance's girlfriend. Mox is dating Jules, Lance's sister. As soon as uh, Mox is at the hospital visiting Lance after his surgery, uh, Darcy wants to get a ride home with with Mox and instantly starts pouring it on. You know, she's hitting on Mox and she invites him over. He has some apprehension about going there, but he does. She asks him if he wants a Sunday. Gallops off to the kitchen. She comes back. Gets out the whipped cream. She's got whipped cream on all the uh, most important places. On the exclusive bits. Yes. uh, With cherries. With cherries. I'm really sorry. All right. What? You're sorry? There's Lance, (laughs) and then there's Jules, and I don't know if I love Jules, but I might. What I do know is I don't love you, but Lance, he might love you. I can't. I don't love Lance. It's never about love. It's about me getting a better life. Lance and I were gonna leave. Now I know he's probably gonna stay in West Canaan and be the manager of Walmart and coach JV football. Darcy. I just wanted to go with you. Mox is like, what are you doing? She literally admits that she only wants out of West Canaan, whatever it takes. She doesn't love Lance. Love had nothing to do with she it. She doesn't love Lance. She, she he was the meal ticket. She presumably would not love Mox. Yeah. It's just she wants to be with whoever's going to get her out of West Canaan. So I think she's probably got a future at the landing strip <laughs> with Miss Davis. She could be a sex ed teacher. So my next scene is the family get-together, the family picnic. Well, I guess bad hands just runs in the family. What's that supposed to mean? <laughs> it's just for grins. Don't get your panties in a bunch. If Kilmer weren't such a prick, my boy would be starting quarterback. Oh, is that a fact? And you think he's first string, huh? That's right. Woo! I smell a challenge. <laughs> How about you, Johnny? Do you think you're better than my boy? Well, hell, it ain't multiple choice. I think it's best we settle this matter once and for all. 
Y'all remember William Tapp? Get up, Lance. Let's show them what it takes to start for Kilmer's Coyotes. Stop it, Dad. This isn't funny. Knock off his ear can. Show them what you're made of. Come on, Lance. Nail the can. Nail it. <laughs> you up, Sammy boy? Dad, come on. This is stupid. Throw it. Ooh, sporting some two now. Be a winner. Throw the damn ball. Come on, Johnny. You can do it. Sit on the bench. Show us what you do best. He's chicken. Yeah, he is a chicken. <laughs> Throw that damn ball. Hey, you feel like chicken tonight? You can do it. I raised you to be a winner, so damn it, boy, win. I fire that fucking pig skin. You have the Moxons and you have the Harbors. We even said everybody in this town lives vicariously through their kids because all of their dads played football for Bud Kilmer and Wes Canaan. So Mox's dad said, you know, if it wasn't for your son, my kid would be the starting quarterback. So, of course, drinking's involved and it turns into who has the biggest dick contest virtually. Lance's dad puts a beer can on his head. Of course, Lance totally knocks it off. No problem. John's dad decides to do it and Mox is reluctant. He thinks it's ridiculous. He's like I said before, he's over all this bullshit. He wants to get out of town. He wants to attend Brown. His dad will not let go of the fact that he thinks football is everything. This is an amazing opportunity. He wants this more than his own son. So he puts the can on his head. They show slow motion shots of Lance's dad basically belittling him. Mox's mom completely drunk. Lance's little brother who uh, was on Friday Night Lights, Landry in Friday Night Lights. I remember that. So Mox completely pissed off throws the football as hard as he can at his dad's face and busts his nose, which is symbolism, basically telling his dad, fuck you, I'm done with this shit, I'm out of town as soon as Brown accepts me, period. That scene alone is a complete microcosm of what's going on in that town. And Mox's dad, we understand, played for Bud Kilmer. And Kilmer even says, you know, he's basically a pussy, but he played his heart out for me. That's the only reason you're on this team. Yeah, my next scene is A&W, where Jules works. (laughs) Oh my God, star quarterback, Johnny Moxon. Somebody hold me up. Look, there's nothing going on with Darcy Sears. I've known her since kindergarten. Nothing's ever happened. You mean you've never seen her in her whipped cream bikini? No. Funny. That's how she got Lance. Come on, Jules, are we together or what? I don't date football players. Jules, I've always been a football player. Number 26? Nah. You were something different. At least I thought you were. What a Kodak moment. Star quarterback Johnny Moxon having a gut check minute about who he really is. You don't think all this is hard? Hard? On who? Jules. Mox? We had a thing and it was great. Okay, things have changed a little bit. And that's okay. Maybe you should go. You can't make me leave. Oh my God. Everybody come meet Johnny Moxon. The Mucks, the star quarterback Coyotes, is at my window. So as soon as Mox becomes the starting quarterback, he kind of embraces the celebrity of it a little bit. 
He's doing radio interviews referring to himself in the third person and so on. Invoking God. Yeah. So I think this is after Jules sees Darcy kiss Mox in the hallway. I think so, yeah. yeah. Darcy apologizes, thanks Mox for his understanding and stuff after the whipped cream bikini. She kisses him in the hallway, which is a little odd, but Jules sees it. It wasn't just one peck. It was a peck followed by a more passionate kiss than a deeper kiss. Yeah. Mox goes to the A&W where Jules worked, and she says no less than three times, star quarterback John Moxon. Mox. He, she doesn't want to hear it any longer, his apology. So she goes ahead and grabs the intercom, the PA microphone, and she announces to the A&W that at her window is star quarterback John Moxon, who then, weirdly enough, the entire place surrounds him. Now, just so everybody knows, if you haven't seen this movie, in this town, if you're a big time high school football player you get a giant billboard in front of your own house lance harbor had his says all state quarterback johnny becomes the number one quarterback he has a giant billboard which is absolutely insane i think one day when i get older i'm just gonna put a billboard in front of my place and say i was an all-star quarterback even though i did not play etw champion i have been for 20 years now which is incredible (laughs) i know that's pretty much all i want to talk about i mean we obviously talk about the scenes where mox hits the mascots with the football which is intense grounding talk about the payoff where there is they practice a hook and ladder in practice and it's a disaster but that's how they win the district championship is on a hook and ladder play to billy bob me and you both said they seem to hold more weight for a district title than they do a state championship which blows my mind yeah it's like as long as we win the district title i keep my job and i don't need to win state it's really (laughs) makes no sense any other scenes you want to talk about i mean there's so many more to talk about but i think you're right maybe we should just keep going let people discover their own yeah we got a couple things to cover in logic so we'll, we'll get to some other scenes so why don't we go ahead get our trunks on as we did earlier today excellently in this warm weather we did some golfing we did some drinking we did some swimming so why don't we go ahead get our trunks back on let them know ah, they're still wet pull check All right, so I think this week, I think I'm due to go first because... Yes, you are. I was yeah, first we last did week. A, you did a twofer. A twofer last week. So my number five for 1999, Shania Twain, that don't impress me much. Interesting. I Interesting pick there. had a gripe with this song and video because Shania says... So, you're a rocket scientist. That doesn't impress me much. Then what the hell impresses me? So, you're Brad Pitt. You notice how many girls like finger bang themselves to Brad Pitt? And she's like, so, you're Brad Pitt. I don't give a fuck. That don't impress me much. You got a car? I'm not impressed. You know what she's probably impressed by? Big pun's dick you couldn't measure at six rollers. (laughs) That's what Shania wanted. So that's that's my number five. Okay, well, that's going to be polar opposite of uh, mine because it doesn't have anything to do with Big Pun's dick or Shania Twain being impressed. The solo debut of Rob Thomas and Santana with Smooth. As every one of you know, this was the number one song in America. It was played on every radio station. It was on MTV. 
Remember the video being vibrant and stuff like that? A lot of people, younger people in my generation at the time, had no idea basically who Carlos Santana was. He was the guy who uh, was on LSD at Woodstock and thought his guitar was a snake. Yeah. And he wrestled his guitar for the entire performance. But everybody would be like, oh, the Matchbox 20 guy and that Mexican guy with a guitar? Who is this song for? I don't know. I mean, I remember it being literally it blew up. everywhere in it, 1999 and, and probably into 2000. Now, let's be honest. Not that bad of a song. It's I don't think fine. it's bad. I mean, but I think this was like, I think it was like soccer mom stuff. I could see that. I just yeah. don't know who else this was for. Be like, hey, I like Latin music. You see what I, it's in my CD player? Well, uh, Santa, I got Supernatural. I don't know what year it was, but uh, Santana had... Black Mar- Magic Woman. Maria Maria. That was the single after this yeah, one. It was, it was a year better. later. To me, it was better. I agree. It was more smooth. I get it. It was huge. It was everywhere. That was number five. My number four, 98 Degrees, The Hardest Thing. Oh, so they do this Great like, album. Prize fighter pugilist Vegas boxing type video, and I always remember this video because 98 Degrees was like like other boy bands. There was like a fat one. There was like a really good looking. And 98 Degrees didn't necessarily have a fat yeah. one, but they had an old one. Here, I'll, I'll bounce it out for you. It's Nick and Drew Lachey, the brothers, Jeff Timmons, who was my favorite, and then the off one, Justin Jeffrey, yes. who was basically your base guy. Yeah, Justin yeah. Jeffrey, was who like, spelled his name J E F F R E. Ooh. Yeah. It's very cool Questionable. like that. <laughs> so in this video, you had Nick singing the lead, but during the chorus, there was a part where, was it Drew or was it the other guy who kind of like had, Jeff, it was had Jeff. to get their shit in? It was Jeff. So like, he's like hogging the camera in this video. It's very noticeable. He probably felt like, man, fucking Drew, why does he get all the shit? They all have 98 degrees yeah. tattoos. Yeah. So Nick, Nick's getting the, the lead. And then Drew would, uh, you know, he'd lunge forward and take his his shine. I just remember that. So my number four, we talked about this all the way back on the very first episode when we did Armageddon. We talked about the battles that would happen on TRL around this time. And it would either bounce between NSYNC or Korn. Number four, I have the song that dethroned NSYNC, Got the life. Now, this was a lot of big corn fans were shitty about this era of corn because corn was just trying to be your more mainstream pop rock band. And I totally get that. Jonathan Davis has his own voice, has his own flavor field. He knows how to play a bass his own way. This song came out and all of a sudden young kids in high school, my age at the time and younger we're starting to get into corn because there seemed to have been one hell of a backlash when it came to pop music like Backstreet, 98, in sync five britney christina you name it there was a backlash so for the longest time carson daly would always say coming in at number two this week and then he would do a dramatic pause and it would always be corn so one week everybody banded together hell i even called the trl line and voted for corn and then when corn finally got to number one I think it was only number one for three weeks. And then, of course, the natural order of things came back. And NSYNC and Backstreet retained her throne. But this song finally broke through on TRL and became number one. That's that, my number four. That's interesting because I had Corn at number three, but I had Freak on a Leash. Another great song. So it was directed by Todd McFarlane of Spawn fame and toy fame and comic fame. And part of the video is animated, but the rest has this really cool like bullet technology where the bullet very matrixy you see it gets fired and then it travels through the entire video so through balloons and through all these other things it's pretty neat video we can say all the stuff that you just said about corn but it was a really cool video for 1999 my number three has to be associated with my number four corn 
Limp Biscuit, their cover of George Michael's Faith. Yeah. Now, a lot of people were familiar with Limp Biscuit when they came out with Counterfeit, which was the song before that, but it did not hit. Faith hit. I remember becoming, I, embarrassingly enough, I'll admit, a huge Limp Biscuit fan. I was like, this song is an amazing cover. You look back on it now and go, what the fuck? Yeah. And it fucking yeah. not great at all. But when this song hit, like the video was, yeah, whatever. It was tour footage and all this shit. Limp Biscuit, all you think of is it's the backwards Yankees cap of Fred Durst. You don't think of West Borland or whoever the hell else was in the band. I have no idea. But this song at the time was like, holy shit. It was a revelation. And all of a sudden, Limp Biscuit just came you know, like a tornado and just there was well, no tomorrow. Exactly. And that's the point I was going to make is that in 99, this was like like true entrepreneurs who strike while the iron's hot. Oh, they Limp did. Biscuit just boom, faith, and then nookie, and oh, then... And then they did stuff with Method Man. Yeah. And Chocolate Starfish. I, I will say I'm going to sound real weak here, but I truly have kind of a, I feel bad for Fred Durst because <laughs> coming up, uh, they had, you know, good relationships with some of these bands they were breaking in with. But then when Limp Biscuit made it, there was like jealousy and they were kind of made fun of then. They became the butt of a, a big joke. People wanted to blame Limp Biscuit for a lot of things. Nickelback of their time. Yeah, yeah, a little bit, a little bit. And I don't like the band necessarily. I'm not, you know, even then I didn't like the band. Only songs we really like are connections to the WWF. Yeah, and I, I do feel bad for Fred Durst. He, he kind of got a raw deal, although he made a movie last year with John Travolta. And God, it looks, I think it's called Fanatic, and it just looks. Did he have to do an e-reading after that? Oh, it looks terrible. And I, I think one of our buddies watched it. But anyhow, yeah, that's uh, that's enough about Limp Biscuit. They uh, got too much time already. So my number two sounds a lot like Limp Biscuit, but a little bit different. It's Candy by Mandy Moore. Oh. And uh, at, our, at the time, this was like a... Oh. First off, it was like an advertisement, like a long commercial for the Volkswagen Beetle, which was re-released around then. And just Mandy Moore and her friends like rolling around. They go to a diner with like the hot skateboard kids are there. But Mandy Moore does this like when we were 16, this ultra hot like talk down part where it's like, you know who you are. Love always, Mandy. Your love is as sweet as candy. <laughs> I'll be forever yours. Love always, Mandy. Yeah, so that was... This era was being in high school like we were, and these hot girls that were also in high school releasing these songs. It was a cavalcade of yeah. women for us. Yeah, for like, sure. Jesus. For sure. So that's, I don't have a whole lot to say about, <laughs> about Mandy Moore. Well, mine leads basically right after yours, my number two, Britney Spears, Baby One More Time. Now, I can remember being in Mrs. Jones' English class and my one buddy coming in saying, Hey, Jim, did you see that Britney video? I'm like, Britney, ooh, Britney. He's like, do me a favor. Go home. Get on the internet. Now, I had to make sure I was able to get on the internet because it was dial-up, and I had to go, Mom and Dad, do not get on the phone because anything would take over 10 minutes to download. So I remember watching this video, like a compressed version of this before I saw it on TRL, and going Oh my God. Brittany, Catholic schoolgirl uniform, sweet Jesus. Now, like we've said in the past, we named this podcast after a specific scene from a movie and the reasons why we've talked about. Here's another video for most guys was another awakening, if we shall say that. I would lift weights in the garage, I think, because of this song. Uh. I think like something about like watching this video on TV in my parents' tube TV in the living room. And just being like, 
I gotta go lift some weights. Like I, <laughs> it's amazing. Like afterwards, I you want to smoke a cigarette, and I don't even smoke. Exactly. <laughs> like, Jesus God, I feel like it I just, just had sex. It just gave you this like primal urge to uh, do I something. S- I still don't understand what hit me. Maybe one more time means maybe probably an ass smack or something. I would assume. I hope it's nothing anything <laughs> abusive. Well, I don't think it's like a domestic violence anthem. But I just what exactly is she referring to? My loneliness is killing me. It's just like I must confess. Is it like a hit? Like a drug addict? Like give me a hit? Or like, is it like a mob hit? Yes. She's killing people. Yes. And then four years later, I ended up seeing Britney Spears in concert for the I'm a Slave for You tour. Holy shit. I'm jealous. We almost went to to Vegas to see her residency. And then life happens. And uh, hashtag free Britney, because I think she's I feel bad for her. It's not her fault. You read read up. Yeah. You read up about that whole. Hmm. What's it called? A conservatorship. Something. And it's yeah, they're controlling every facet of her life. And it's we love you, Britney. And I can say, Brittany is the big celebrity who follows me on Twitter. No bullshit. Really? She follows me on Twitter. Way to go. There we go. I wish that the next celebrity in my number one spot would follow me on Twitter. It's Eiffel 65, Blue. <laughs> I don't know that they can read my tweets because I don't think they're American. I have a blue house with a but, blue window. Uh, yeah, if you know the song, it's like a... It was number one on the box. If you know about shuffling, like the dance, uh, which they don't really do in the U.S. too much, but like more of a European thing, it's like the ultimate shuffle song. Uh, but essentially, the video takes place on 2Con 4, where the lead singer <laughs> Jeffrey J is abducted by a blue-collared alien or two aliens called Zerottle and Psyok 6 during a concert. The aliens proceed to leave Earth with him. Group members Maurizio Robinho and Gabri Ponte chase after them in their own spacecraft, and eventually both ships arrive on the blue aliens planet via a portal. There's also an amazing documentary I saw on YouTube about, or was it on Vice? It might have been on Vice, how this all came to. It's a fascinating story because it was a mixture of intrigue and then some other nefarious ways they made the song get to number one. It's really crazy. Check it out. To me, it's that... that it's a constant that, beat, that beat euro just, beat and it yeah. was always on the box if so you turned on the box back in the day this was yeah, always featured beats per minute it's definitely what gets you there and uh, yeah i like it i like the song i like the video it's ridiculous but i definitely you know how much i like my euro pop yeah I my see, 99 there's no rap part in this but i will no, stand for it's no real mccoy i know <laughs> i will labouche i will stand for eiffel 65 so my number one i have a backstory it's ricky martin's living la vida loca is my number one my junior year of high school my buddy and i brian vaughn we saw this video and we're like this song fucking rock me and him once again big shout outs to waves music because that's where we got our cds we went to waves music and bought this on single because it was before the album came out and i had a 1997 plymouth neon sport that i sank three thousand dollars into i got a tent job on it i put a 10 inch speaker with a 250 watt you got a job in it did i say tit no oh i was gonna say i don't think i said tit i ended up only getting one speaker in the back because I needed room for my golf clubs. However, I remember this day because me and Brian parked next to each other in the parking lot. I come barreling ass down the road to living La Vida Loca on full volume. So we sat in the school parking lot and we're juniors. We're not even seniors. How did Brian feel about this? He loved this song because okay. we did. We were in a multimedia class together and we would talk about how fucking awesome this song is. I ended up getting it like a day or so before him. We're sitting in a parking lot before school starts and we're just like, she's in the superstition. 
black cats in voodoo dolls. And here's the thing. We're not seniors. If it was a senior thing, people would be like, oh, those two are crazy. The seniors at the time were like, what the fuck are these kids doing? Man, this song was, I don't give a shit what anybody says. I still love this song. I still love the album. Say what you want about Ricky Martin. I thought Ricky Martin was awesome. I still do. That's, that's why it's my number one. That's one of my favorite things about you is that like in high school, I would not have done that. I I cared too much. I am who I am. People know who I am. If you I don't like it, it I love the bet. story of your mom pulling up, playing the Rock's entrance music. Do There's like no better story than kids. Oh, if I my mom that. pulled up playing Rock's entrance music, I would have like filed for divorce from my parents. I would have like <laughs> tried to get adopted elsewhere. <laughs> now listen. Now here's the crazy thing. I would not take my car out if there was any threat of rain. So my mom would drop me off at school. I'm a junior in high school. I was a big rock fan. There was this kid in my history class named Michael Luzia, who I thought looked like the rock. Like he looked like a thin <laughs> rock. My history notebook, I had pictures of the rock and quotes. And I'll never forget my mom surprised me one day with WWF The Music Volume 3. She turned it on full volume in my car because she picked me up in my car. All of a sudden I hear, do you smell what The Rock is cooking? And she picked me up in my car with The Rock's theme song. It was the coolest but thing see, ever. Yeah, exactly. You thought it was the coolest thing I ever. I thought it was awesome. It was awesome. I, I love that. So let's talk about some other 99 hits. We had All Star by Smash Mouth, Ugh. which is, there's a funny backstory to that one where the band knew that if they recorded and released that song that it was over they knew well that, yeah <laughs> bingo they knew that basically bye bye Harwell. any credibility punk credibility they had prior to that was gone they knew that this song would hit they knew it they just everyone knew this song gonna go through the stratosphere they knew it but they knew it would also change their lives and it did i bought their first album that had walking on the sun the album was gonna be called fuck you man but ended up being fuss you mang yeah, I didn't know. So that. what does that tell you? Yeah. Fuck you, man. Yeah, fuck you, man. Fush uh, you, man. Fush you, man. <laughs> uh, speaking of fushing people, Anywhere by 112, which is on the Magic oh, Mike XXL soundtrack. Such a, such we a great had song. Black, uh, Bring It All to Me, featuring JC Chazé from InSync. You had Forgot About Dre. 1999, Genie in a Bottle, Christina Aguilera. Backstreet Boys. I mean, good Lord, man. There's so many. Yeah, we had Girl on TV and Summer Girls. I actually. Girl on TV is better. Girl on TV featuring Jennifer Love Hewitt in the video by LFO. Only one member is still alive. Unfortunately. Uh, Got Your Money, ODB, and Khalees. Mambo number five. Will Smith, Wild Wild West, yeah. and Will 2K. No Scrubs, TLC, which was a big one. Britney Spears, we mentioned her, but she also had Sometimes. Yeah. Pretty big video. Joey McIntyre, Stay the Same, No Sex in a Champagne Room by Chris Ooh, Rock. Well, that was a good one. Hell yeah. Uh, Bad Touch, Bloodhound Gang with the Monkey Suits. We have the Bum Bum song. Ooh, Tom <laughs> Green. Uh, there's a song by Youngbloods called 85, and me and one of my buddies used to really like that song. Nothing special about the video. Sugar Ray Someday. Yeah, Adam's Song by Blink-182. Which I is an I love that song. It's yeah. such a good song. Back That Ass Up by Juvenile, which also Back That Thang Up was the edited version. Girl, you look good. Won't you back that thang up? And for all you Tony Hawk fans out there, Rage Against the Machines, Gorilla Radio. Yeah, lights out. Cartoon Hero. Heroes by Aqua. The other the on, the other song that was released that wasn't Barbie Girl. Jesus, I don't even remember that yeah, at all. We are the cartoon heroes. We are the ones that make you last forever. I Something think. like the don't forget uh, about J Lo. And then uh, Kiss Me, Six Fence Down the Richer. Great song. Come original. Three Eleven. Holla Holla. Ja Rule. There were there were a lot. 1999 is again one of those years that if we were to record another movie, 1999, we could probably do a different list. Oh my god. There were so many. There was such a diverse. 
There was pop, metal, rap. It was just so diverse music-wise that we probably could have come up with different lists. Mm -hmm. That's all I've got for the pool check this week. Pretty soon here, we will be transitioning into a different topic because eventually we're going to cover every year from 81 to 2006. And once we do that, we might end up doing like the worst music video, worst songs, worst movie from that year. We'll change it up. Yeah, we'll switch it up. So send us your suggestions at PoolScenePodcast at gmail.com. Uh, let's get changed. And uh, Jim, let them know. Everybody back in the pool. <laughs> All right, great. So because of coronavirus, I'm not sure what's going on with this. But Varsity Blues was actually greenlit and picked up as a series. Do you think that things like this work better as a movie or as a series? I don't know if I'd want to have a, a series of this. I think everything that needs to be done has been done in this movie. Maybe, depending on how they'd frame it, could we see the beginnings of what made Bud Kilmer be a prick? Is that possible? I don't know. Well, I, I will say that the con I have is that... <laughs> con, Scott Con. Yeah. <laughs> the, con, the con I have is that if you make this a series, and, and argue with me by all means, but you miss that final moment. So the way a movie is set up, hour and a half, two hours, everything builds to the final scene. You're going to get a 22-minute episode. The payoff. And like we've seen shows recently that have a, you know, the build to a payoff in the final episode. So the same, but it's not quite the same as in a movie. You hit the one big song. In this movie's case, it's uh, Foo Fighters. You know, you, you build everything to that final scene. They win the championship. They do it on their turn. But not even a state title. That's the thing that still blows my mind about this movie. Right. But I will say that there are things where this series would work. So there's one, there's so many characters in this movie that we just don't know enough about. I mean, we get the bare minimum on a lot of these characters. For example, we have Mox's girlfriend, who's Lance's sister, Jules. What's high school like for her? I mean, she's the sister of the star quarterback, and now she's dating the star quarterback. So she's one. You have Wendell Brown, who's a star running back. Whose mom does his recruiting. I'd like to know about his home life. Yeah, exactly. We can see his mom. He claims Kilmer is holding him back because of racism. We're just told this. We're never shown. There's no evidence sign unless there was. Once again, there could have been a bigger cut in this movie. So there would be a really good storyline to see specific examples of where Bud Kilmer is racist against him. Another one. Another big backstory thing you could tell is how Billy Bob looks at Bud Kilmer like a father. Yes. What happened to Billy Bob's father? We don't know anything about Billy Bob. Nothing. We just know he's the, the fat guy. He's the fat, lovable guy. Who believes in Kilmer and follows everything Kilmer says. So Billy Bob's backstory. And, and for all I know, this series could be entirely new characters. It could just be called Varsity Blues. It's about football and West might not be, and, Yeah, it could be And that. it might be all new characters. But I, I will say there are there is some upside to doing a series because if you've got 8, 12, 24 episodes, you can devote season-long storylines to these specific characters to where in a movie, you've got to pick and choose what you can include. There is one thing we learned about like messing around with an original formula. Save by the Bell, Save by the Bell, the new class. Didn't work. So maybe sometimes, maybe it's better I, off I that mean, we there, leave it. There is a Friday Night Lights movie and series. See, I've never seen the movie. Yeah. I've seen the series, loved the series. Yeah, and again, I think there's... A, that was basically Varsity Blues... Yeah, the and TV I, show. I think a Varsity Blues TV show would probably be just like that. But who knows? So I guess we'll keep an eye out for that. 
With that said, let's transition into our logic section. Again, the biggest logic point in this movie is when does this movie, does it, is it present day? Is Mox quantum leaping? You know, is he the new Dr. Sam Beckett? <laughs> He's got is back he hoping to leap back into his high school playing days? I, I don't know. So with the weird voiceover, my first one I'll mention beyond that is Kilmer threatens to fuck up Mox's scholarship. How? He's already been accepted. He's been accepted already. Kilmer is a football coach in, te- in a small town in Texas. Brown is in Providence, Rhode Island. He's not Vince it's Lombardi. Ivy League school. How is Kilmer going? Who's, who does he know at Brown? Who's he going to call? And it's an academic scholarship. It's not a football scholarship. It's not just who he would know there. Why would anybody agree at the school to have his grades under review? Yeah, okay. That would make a lot more sense if Mox were on a football scholarship. Apparently, he's a good student to get yeah, in Brown. He's an academic 4. scholarship. But if he were uh, an academic scholarship, Kilmer could call them head coach to head coach. I want you to know this about Mox. He's blah. He's this. He's I that. saw him do drugs. Yeah. 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 Whatever. It's not. This is an academic scholarship. He has no interest in playing football anymore. Super weird. I, I just Mox is like, Kilmer's going to pull my scholarship if I don't do this. It's like somebody should have just said to him, how? The other thing I'd love to know is when Kilmer decides to leave after the team turned against him. Where the fuck did he go? You see him like pack up his office, but you're telling me after the celebration, you're not going to go, oh, there's Bud Kilmer with a shitload of boxes leaving his office. 30 plus years at West Canaan and And has a statue, mind you. And all it takes is some kids to stand up to him and he leaves. I mean, I would assume any football team in that area. Who's the who's a rivalry? Gilroy. Okay, I would assume Gilroy would probably fire their coach in a heartbeat to have Bud Kilmer, so I'm not worried about his future. It's just, it's weird. It's weird that he wouldn't put up a fight beyond, I mean, he tried to strangle a kid, but beyond, in the epilogue, it says he never coached again, so I have no idea. (laughs) He just disappears, and he just, he dies. He's like, you ever see the final episode of David the Gnome? Yes. He just tells the kid, hey, us gnomes only live to be this long. I'm going to go die now. There's one small scene as he's packing up his office. He sees the 1989 state championship trophy with his name, and he's looking at it, but then the camera focuses onto his face as he's looking back in the trophy. Maybe that was his coming to God moment. Maybe he realized, oh, I done fucked up. What am I going to do now? Well, The other thing we said about Kilmer is most high school football coaches are not just coaches. So we never see... Like a health teacher? Yeah. He doesn't do anything. Gym teacher? How do we... like? Because I think for being a football coach, and, and, and we live in Ohio, and in Ohio, high school football is big. I would say... Yeah, this is where it started. Texas, Florida, Ohio, those are your, your high school football states in some order. So high school football is huge here, and still high school fo- football coaches make like five grand, six grand. How many high school football coaches do you know have pinups around their city saying, Meet and greet the great Bud Kilmer yeah. at the library. Weird. So, I mean, but again, they make five or six grand. In addition to a real salary is not bad. Bud Kilmer presumably is not anything else. He's just a coach. In addition to having a bronze statue made of him. And they said during the epilogue, they couldn't take it. How the hell can you not take that down? All you need. We've seen this with countries falling All you, and with everything going on here. All you need is basically a rope. And a group of people to pull the fucker down. Just saying you could do that. Get that Bud Kilmer statue out of there. (laughs) I would like to know what John's dad would think of him 
after he won the big game and he goes off to Brown. So what is he going to have in his little brother? Like, look what your brother yeah, did. Yes, your brother won yes. the big game. He helped won a district. I want you to be that because you could see throughout the whole movie, Kyle's jaunt through finding himself through different religions and his dad being, you're going to play football. You're going to do this, that, this and that. When John got accepted to Brown University, which on the application, they misspelled his name, but whatever. It's John, John with an H, John without H. He says, fine, John, but I got to talk to you about Gilroy. All he cares about is high school football, which is weird because Kilmer said, your dad was a pussy, but he played his heart out for me. That's the only reason you're on the team. So is John's dad going to basically tell Kyle, look what your brother did. Well, at, look, he beat Gilroy. If you notice after John wins the big game, you see Kyle in stands and he cracks a big smile. So it kind of does sink in like that's his epiphany. What if the Varsity Blues TV series, it's Kyle Moxon. A couple years down the road, he starts playing high school football. I'd be okay with that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you could get his parents back on the TV show. So I don't really have a lot of other logic beyond like stupid stuff. Like, the weird sevens with Lance Harbor, as you brought yeah, up. Yeah, then there's seven. 17 and they just drink all the time there's you know but that's, free drinks everywhere that's whatever charlie tweeter steals a sheriff's car and there seems to be nothing wrong with that they just joke about it i will say there's some like just movie continuity stuff that's oh, easily big. fixable like the cover and poster of this movie has all the characters on this blue and white ford truck that truck's never in the movie. Why not use Billy Bob's truck? Billy Bob has so much a blue truck. With bacon inscribed on it yeah, for his but they, pet pig. They never, they could have used that truck. In the beginning of the movie, a radio announcer says the game begins at 7.30. There's a pep rally at school, and on the sign outside the pep rally, it says the game is at 7.00. So someone's showing up late or missing some of the game. Also, I find it weird that you would have a pep rally at 9.30 in the morning. I always had pep rallies at my school right after period. final period or yeah. last period. Yeah. But our team sucks, so maybe it's different when you're a top <laughs> shit. Billy Bob trophy switch. The near suicidal scene, yeah. as I would Mox call it. Mox drives onto the field, finds Billy Bob in his truck. Drunk, drinking a whiskey straight out of the bottle. Yeah, and he's shooting at his old trophies. In one of the scenes, he's holding up a trophy, which we see obviously has a football player on it. He throws the trophy and goes to shoot at it. When he goes to shoot at it, the trophy is just a football. It's not a player. So, And then the next scene, you see that football trophy he just shot. Yeah, just an easy continuity thing that could have been fixed. I, I don't understand why they let stuff like that go in movies. It bothers me because I almost always catch them. And then finally, another weird thing that I caught that I don't think you had ever noticed is in a lot of the scenes in this movie, Darcy Sears, played by Ali Larder, wearing a wedding ring. The entire I've never noticed it until you brought it up. I mean, it's like Tom Cruise's middle tooth. I never it's noticed. It's not it. weird that a high school girl would wear a ring, but your ring finger on your left hand is a specific finger reserved for engagement and marriage. She's wearing a wedding ring. Changing scene in the car, you see her hold her hand up. When she's cheering, you see it. In several scenes in this movie, Darcy Sears is uh, apparently married. Also a small one, whipped cream bikini scene. They start kissing. She gets, they're smashed up against each other. You could clearly see there is whipped cream on Johnny. And then when they show the next scene, no whipped cream cleaned off. Twister windshield theory, as I call it. <laughs> well, that's actually, that's another one too, is when Tweeter steals the cop car and Mox went in, bought a six pack, got it for free because the guy was like, your money's no good here. Here's a six pack, 17 year old. And Mox is sitting on the curb, drinking a beer, police car that Tweeter stole, driving down the street. Very clearly, you can see... Just Tweeter driving. Just Tweeter driving. Just one person in the driver's seat. 
When Tweeter pulls up, car full of girls. And Mock Naked. gives away his varsity jacket, his letterman's jacket, and then somehow inherits another jacket between that scene and the next scene. This is the thing that blows my mind about this movie. This is an MTV Films movie. MTV Films movie. There's boobs everywhere in this movie. It's incredible. So that's that's pretty much all I have for logic. Uh, the big one, again, is the time travel stuff. Just super weird. So with that said, what's what's the legacy of this movie? In real life, this shot Paul Walker into the stratosphere. This movie alone, because two years later, he became Brian O'Connor and went off into the Fast franchise. The legacy is, if you ask anybody, the majority of people, when you talk about Texas high school football, it's this movie. It's a lot to do with Texas high school football. Same with Friday Night Lights. I don't even know. I what don't it, have much. Really. I mean, it, like I'm thinking about it. Like I'm scraping the it's barrel. It's a good here. movie. It's highly recommended. I would absolutely tell everyone to watch this if you haven't seen it. But the legacy, it it's a good football movie. It really. It's a, I don't. It's a good it's sports movie. Probably not great. Good. No, it's good. It's. Out of 10, this is a solid six and a half. Yeah, every, everybody does well in their performances. There's not like any completely the the only legacy thing is I don't want your life. That's mm-hmm. that's probably it because everybody knows that there's not iconic scenes. Oh, I'd say the the speech in the locker room. Yeah, Mox's speech in the thing. That was good, huge. but it's just there's nothing that's iconic. There's nothing that really stands the test of time. I mean, this movie came out when we were in high school, so kids today. I don't even know if they've seen this movie, and if they have, I don't know that would it anything. Translate? Yeah, that anything from this movie would really because not kids aren't going out to their local bars after you play high school football and get served. So with that said, no Ernie McDougals around here uh, anymore. That's a good transition. Drink pairing for this movie. Now there's a lot of high school kids in this movie drinking beer, so that's what I'll suggest. High school kids in quotes is yeah. That's what there's yeah. a 40 year old man in the <laughs> locker room that's Who's the got one a tight end on. But that's what I'll suggest is the type of beer that a high school kid would drink is if you look in the background of this movie especially i think it's in one of the party scenes it might be the party when billy bob throws up in the washing machine while lance and darcy darcy are having sex yeah yeah they're having sex on the dryer fully clothed yes fully clothed not necessary there's a in the background you can see the beer bottles and they very obviously look like budweiser but instead of budweiser they literally just say Beer. beer on I love generic beer. Yeah, just beer brand beer. So that's what I will say is my drink uh, for this movie. Drink yourself some beer. Uh, maybe your natty. Maybe whatever kind of beer. Maybe, yeah, Blatz. A high school kid would drink. Get the cheapest beer possible. I you, totally agree. Okay. All right. So with that said, next week we will be doing one of my probably top three favorite movies ever. We're going to probably be obnoxious because of just how much we love that movie. And there will be a lot of sound clips in that yes, next movie. It's going to be just sound clip mania. And we hope you look forward to it. We hope you listen. Jim, why don't you ha- uh, go ahead and shout out our plugs where you can find us. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at Pool Scene Podcast. Have an idea, a movie you want to cover, possible merch idea. We are talking about t-shirts here, folks. Email us at poolscenepodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, I don't if you want us to do the Ten Commandments, we'll do it. Just shout shout us out. What else? Uh the Gnome Mobile, a great Disney movie that people loved and adored. Yeah. From Justin to Kelly. You want us to do that? We'll do Cannibal it. Cannibal Holocaust. Yeah, whatever. Just make sure you send us some white claws. We'll do it when we drink. Yeah, just uh so thank you for the plugs. Uh, with that said, that's uh, we're going to go out of this one like heroes. 
<laughs> so you know what that means. We want your life. We want your life. <laughs> we'll see you next week. Thank you, everybody. Bye, everyone. Take your pictures down.